Greetings, and welcome to Beetle Stuffology, where two old friends sit around and talk BS, Beetle Stuff, on a track-by-track -track basis, pretty much for the sake of it. My name is JG McQuarrie, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Deacon. Say hi, Andrew. Hello. How, How are, are you doing? Oh, in uh, stereo. Oh, jinx. Oh, no, it's all gone wrong within one minute. <laughs> yeah, but the question still stands. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, I'm feeling in a benevolent mood. And one of the things I'm going to be benevolent about is something that everybody else finds it quite hard to be benevolent about, and that's James Corden. More of that later. Right. I've got I've got a question for you actually. Um, mm. um, we've been watching. So, listener, you may recall that um, uh, uh, the good lady her indoors and I um, had um, a holiday in Wales. As part of that, we went to Port Merion. Port Merion, big influence. Um, or made a big impression on, on the Beatles and also on Brian Epstein. Um, but trying to um, talk with the other half about the cultural significance of Port Merion in terms of the prisoner was quite, it was quite difficult to explain the prisoner. Um, and even though she spent time in the, the shop there that is dedicated to the prisoner, still couldn't really get a sense of, of what it was all about. Um, so we watched the first episode together. And so my question to you, I know, I know you're a big fan of The Prisoner. Um, my question to you is, has it always been pretty bad? Well, I would firstly contest that it's pretty bad, inevitably. But you are right, I am a big fan of it. Um, it is, it's a real period piece. There, there are a few shows which are quite as locked in time as The Prisoner. It could only have been produced in the late 60s. The, the attitudes, the paranoia, the style of it, the way that it's shot. The, the, and also, drama just isn't shot like that anymore and hasn't been for a good 30-odd years. Um, terrible but, acting. Terrible, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll certainly contest that as far as uh, Mr. Magoon is concerned because oh. I think he's phenomenal in it. But, but the other thing I would also go, the other thing I would also say is the first episode is by by no means the best episode, not not by a very long <laughs> shot. Um, so it's in it's yeah. in what the top the top fourteen or fifteen. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, something like that. It, 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 it's a perfectly cromulent introduction to the series, but it, uh, it doesn't really show off the thing that the show does. It's uh, that is. I, it's I just best. I, it, it struck me because um, I suspect that I first watched it. There was that point, wasn't there? Maybe early nineties when Channel Four started showing it again. I can't yeah. remember uh, precisely when it was. I think it was not probably not that long after the uh, Vic Reeves' Big Night Out and the um, the the Japanese Godzilla movies. Uh, sort of around that point um and i don't remember it being so oh, i'm gonna say devoid of humor it, it's trying so hard to be both earnest serious and surreal and it kind of misses on all of them and and i have to say i think mr mcgowan um does a very poor line in frustrated um, you know, he's meant to be such an intelligent character, but his character does not come across as intelligent in any way, shape or form. And his acting is remarkably one note. Um, it just is so dated. Um, but there you go. I've just realised that I've actually got audacity open on my screen in front of me, so I can't see whatever gestures you might be making in the background but that's probably a good thing at the moment um, I'm trying not to make too many gestures in the background um, but yeah 
Suffice to say, we we did not make it through the entire episode. It's quite long as well. Yeah, that's the other thing about it. It, Even by sort of contemporary standards, those episodes tend to run long. Um, We get very used to the idea of um, shows like that being a fairly tight 45 minutes, but it's not. It drifts up to uh, sort of 50, 52 minutes in in, in places. Um, And like I said, drama isn't produced like that anymore. It it might, might have seen a lot more reasonable when we were watching it sort of in the early 90s because that's kind of the cutoff point um a lot of that what used to be called um sort of rep theater uh, television um and you know things like uh, doctor who and blake seven they all fall into that but you know so did so did early episodes of the bill and so did you know all those kind of shows lots of soap operas um and tv just isn't made like that anymore and you fall out of the habit of watching tv in that style things are much tighter now and and sort of developmental te- uh, technological developments mean that it doesn't uh it it doesn't it shows a gulf between then and now much more clearly than it would have been sort of delineated in the in the early 90s when when that style of television was just coming to it um i claudius is another perfect example by the way it, it's a great example of like the very best of kind of rep theater television uh but yeah tv just isn't made like that anymore Okay, we've made it to seven and a half Move minutes on. and we haven't Move actually on. talked about the Beatles yet. Do you, so do you think we should probably do that? Loser, loser. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to drag us back on topic, but somebody has to. So this week, yeah, we have to cover uh, I'm a Loser. Uh, what do you reckon? Um, so this to me is a really good example of where it's perfectly possible to like a song, but not necessarily like its constituents' parts constituents part a great deal i think it's it's it, it, it it's a really really decent song it's jaunty but the the jauntiness of the, the melody is um is countermanded by the apparent sadness of the lyrics um and you know everyone's doing a perfectly good job uh, mccartney's bass is is fabulous on the chorus I don't know what George Harrison's guitar solo is all about, um, but I have a question about that later. It's coming. It's in my notes. Let's not okay. get into that too soon. The harmonica playing's fine. The singing's okay, apart from the low note. Um, it's it's fine. But when, when you dig into it, then you start to go, oh, actually, I'm not quite so sure this really works. So my basic point is, um, just enjoy listening to the song. Don't analyse it too much. So over to you, JG, for the analysis. Okay, lovely. It's a perfectly good song. Um, I do agree that it's one where the constituent parts are probably not up to all that much individually, but put together they work. Get Back is a lot like that as well, actually. There's not much mm. to get back, but it, it works really, really well when you actually sort of screw it all together. And I'm a Loser feels like it's very much in, in that category. There's only half a dozen chords here. Uh, it's a really fun song to play. Um, I've been playing it a lot recently uh, with my um, with my other half. He, uh, as I think I previously mentioned in the podcast, he plays bass um, and I play rhythm guitar um, to a reasonably adequate standard. And uh, yeah, it's a fun one to play. You're right about the bass line. It's a really... It's a really great bass line and there's, it, it, it kind of in a way sort of saves the song a little bit because I think it might be a bit a bit pat otherwise, but it's a cracking bass line. It's really, I think, the best thing about the song. It it feels like in, in the choruses though it's got a, a, you know, a much punchier rhythm to it as well. It feels like it's going a lot faster than anything else in order to really drive it forward. 
Yeah, it, it definitely does. And yeah, Ringo's doing good work here as well. It's 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 not his standout in the album. We'll, we'll get to that. But uh, uh, he's he's doing really solid work. Um, you know, George is back doing his uh, country and western thing, which honestly works well on this song. I think it starts to wear its welcome out as we get through the album a little bit because it's a bit uh it gets a bit repetitive after a while but we're only on track two and we don't want to dive too far into the album as yet um but it's 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 fine for what it does it sounds sounds nice and chunky uh there's there's uh yeah there's some good support work going there uh, i've just realized of course it's uh uh god is that lead line as well you you mentioned you mentioned that before right you mentioned the the redundancy of the guitar solo briefly so well yeah and okay uh, in which case we'll, i'll get to my question now is okay. the is the guitar solo one of the most superfluous ever recorded sir uh good question student uh yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty redundant it's not really a song that has a desperate need for a guitar solo other than to give george harrison something to do in the song um the, 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 there's not an awful lot more to it than than that um so i suppose it depends whether you care how much george does in a song if you think that it's important that he's there and contribute something then it's it's not superfluous if you think it doesn't really matter and the song would benefit from him not being there then yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty unnecessary so i wonder then what fans of spandau ballet would make of a question like that a, a band that had a dedicated saxophonist well, there's. So, uh, I mean, would you would you therefore <laughs> insist on this? There's saxophone in each and every song. We'd say, well, it's it's not a real Spandau Ballet song if whatever his name is, Steve. I, I, I think all saxophonists are called Steve. <laughs> um, if if Steve I mean, isn't isn't playing something on this, <laughs> that whole band is unnecessary. So I don't think one, I don't think singling out one instrumentalist in it is particularly necessary. Sorry to all the Spandau like Ballet fans that are tuning into this podcast. Well, I can I can remember watching on um, I think it might have been Jonathan, Jonathan Ross's Last Resort, and this is a very specific reference. It's just come to me. Um, simply read doing holding back the years and I mean I think there was pretty much you know a, a little bit of strumming a, a piano maybe some uh, some rim shots by the the drummer um, but I was looking at it thinking but but that's not the whole band where's the whole band surely that's a bit unfair that they've not included the whole I mean I was young I was very young at the time um, it, it's so it, I, I don't know did did they did they have to give everyone a, a moment in in every song was was that part of their uh, raison d'etre or or could they just for those fans of um of the stuffology bingo card they would have already ticked it off is it just okay for someone to be doing some solid work on this one well i don't think we're quite at the stage where having somebody come forward uh to do their song and pushing the rest of the band to the background is is really de rigueur i'm i'm adding a new entry to the uh, bingo card for future <laughs> listens um you know it, it it's you know they're a solid four piece so that's what you get in the songs at this point you know you get a solid four piece that will start to change well pretty much on the next album actually but we're not just there yet so it's i think it's i think it's part of the evolution of, of of both the band and sort of music in general if you've got four people in your band at this point you get four people in a song because the harmonica work here by john lennon is is really good it's it actually it's it's a perfectly fine harmonica solo that fits with the, the song but yeah uh, yeah it's almost as though they've had this little discussion and said all right george we'll give you a little bit 
hey, why don't you basically strip down and 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 redo that um, that solo from All My Loving, uh, and we'll just chuck that in here to get us back to the point where we start singing again. Yeah, that's not unfair. That's not unfair at all. I suppose if we're talking about harmonica, it does give us the opportunity to have the inevitable Bob Dylan conversation, which apparently seems to be unavoidable when it comes to this song. Yeah, but I can't work out why, because mm, apart from question. harmonica, this sounds completely unlike most Bob Dylan songs that you'd want to have a conversation about. Um, I, I, think it's, I think it comes up because is being all introspective um, and displaying that sort of inner sensitivity. I don't know. I mean, in, in my mind, it's it's a lot like um, that conversation between, uh, okay, going even weirder on beyond the Spandar Ballet references now, uh, from um, Blackadder the Third, the episode in which um, um, Blackadder tries to get Baldrick into Parliament um, and you've got Pitt the Younger being played by a teenager um, who, who you know, says to Blackadder, I've, I've got this sort of downy hair developing on my chest. Is that normal? Also, I get so confused and lonely. I've written a poem about it. Maybe you'll understand. Why do nice girls hate me? That's what I think of when I, I, I look at the lyrics from this. <laughs> that's a, that's an excellent reference and I will never criticize anybody for for making a, a good blackout reference um yeah it's fair. I mean I think I think introspective in charge of a harmonica is probably exactly the reason that that people compare it to Dylan but when 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 you hear like the inevitable Dylan comparisons like I, I understand why uh, you've got to hide your love away gets those kind of comparisons but yeah it it, it feels a bit um it feels like that thing people do where they compare themselves to something better than themselves in order to make that thing seem better. Um, and I, th I have a feeling that might slightly be the case with I'm a Loser. Like, it's a perfectly decent song. It's not It's not an all-time classic. It's not a disaster, but it's, it's good enough. But if you then go, oh, well, of course, this is this is Lennon entering his Dylan phase and, and blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like elevating the song uh, by by sort of reflected glory, I suppose. Um, and I'm not sure that this is a song which can quite carry the weight of that. I do think when we get to uh, You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, okay, there's a lot more to, to dig into there and a lot more reason for that comparison to stand. But here, like, what what Dylan song do you think this sounds like? Uh, one, well, not you, yeah. I'm not accusing you, but no, yeah, no, what, what Dylan song does this sound absolutely. like? It doesn't really sound that much like Dylan, except it's a bit introspective and it's got a bit of harmonica on it. Well, that's not really enough to go on, I don't think. I think there's there's a link that you could make to that second or third album sim syndrome. You know that that old theory where people have been playing together for these this bunch of songs, then they record that bunch of songs, and then they've got eighteen months from the record company to record the next bunch of songs. And of course, they haven't written them yet, and they've got to do it in a hurry. Songs that they've honed for years, and there's something similar. So I think you know the key point is that they were very good at creating songs in that style of Black American music. And eventually bettering them because they'd be playing that kind of music for a long long time but the dylan influence is new so they couldn't really be expected to meet that standard and you know while it's perfectly fine it's always going to be like a, a hollow version of dylan and in the, the year that we're talking about dylan recorded 14 songs for another side of bob dylan in june 64 11 made it on the album and you kind of then have to start thinking, yeah, let's let's think about all the songs perhaps Dylan was doing in 62, 63, 64, maybe into 65. What was he going for? Was it blowing in the wind? 
Masters of War, Girl from the North Country, Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, The Times They Are A-Changing, All I Really Want to Do, Chimes of Freedom, It Ain't Me Babe. This doesn't come close because it's a first step at having a go at. You know, you you can't expect, and he would refer to it as, oh, that was my Dylan phase. But I would hope that even Leonard would appreciate the fact that, that Dylan was the master of doing th this kind of song at this point that introspective emotional sort of but then you know using metaphors to layer everything onto a to a much wider stage you know and 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 so i i think trying to give it something more than it's got is setting it up to fail whereas if you sort of think okay right well let's let's think about some of the good elements here well at least he's not making a direct appeal to to the woman saying oh please come back because i'm going to die without you as some of his earlier songs have done. So it's not a direct appeal. There is a sense that there's some internal monologuing going on. That's fine. It feels like questions are being asked either of someone else in a, in a sense of, well, tell me what I can do. I really want to know. But I think it works better if you read him as internalising these thoughts, even if those thoughts do make him sound like a whiny, miserable, pathetic, sad, lonely loser. Yeah, but still, it's very nice of him to tell us, you know, what's going yeah. on. So, you know, it, it, it's, you know, he's not, not being entirely introspective this time out because he's had the kindness and generosity to uh, inform us that, you know, the reason for this whole, this whole soliloquy of, of the song is so that we, the audience, don't make the same mistake that he's made, which is just, I think, really speaks to such a generosity of spirit. It's, he's known for his generosity at this point, isn't he? Yes, absolutely. That's always what people think of when they when they think of John Lennon, especially in the early sixties. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're right in terms of the songs that he uh, that that this is being. You know, if you're going to compare this to anything, you should be comparing it to "I'll Follow the Sun" or "Every Little Thing." Those songs are more kind of pertinent than than sort of the Dylan thing, not because necessarily that they're Beatles songs, although that also, um, but because I'm a loser does prefigure where things are going to go on rubber soul. I would definitely argue um, that every little thing does as well. And yeah, maybe I'll follow the sun too. And so that feels like a more relevant sort of point of comparison. Like you said, these are, these are the beginnings of what's going to go. And that's why it's, it's um, again, I don't want to talk too much about the album, but it's why Beatles for sale sometimes feels, I think a bit broken back because those kind of songs do look forward but so much of this album doesn't it looks back in order to basically just get something down so that they can get get a record out um and and yeah i'm a loser it's it's fine but the yeah the dylan comparison doesn't work and 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 comparing it to, to uh to the other songs in the album seems a bit more fruitful to me i would think yeah and I mean, lyrically it's inconsistent there's some nice things in there um, oh. you know I quite like the you know my tears are falling like rain from the sky that's fine um, you know we've got the whole tears of a clown motif going on I suppose I should have known she would win in the end mm. win I, I think that's that's evidence of I'll just throw that word in because it feels like it fits and that's okay but it's always worth um yeah, just having a quick look at uh, things like Genius.com, which is, is an absolutely wonderful, hilarious um, crowdsourced website yeah, for lyrical analysis. Um, because on this, uh, click on the line, my tears are falling like rain from the sky. Um, whoever the contributor 
has very helpfully said that John is using a simile. Rain falls very fast and very hard. Simile, he is crying torrential tears. He is very upset. And then under that, there's a picture of someone kneeling on the ground with their palms down, head down, um, and it looks like they've been soaked by the rain. It's, it's, it's wonderful stuff. But despite all of that, what's clear is that, is that they, they liked it. Or maybe because of Lennon thinking it was his Dylan phase, um, maybe they could drag out the harmonica because it was big on the live act in 65 in particular. Um, so they, they seem to enjoy playing it. Even George seemed to enjoy that guitar solo. I don't know. It's a funny one, isn't it? Uh, um, but not that many people seem to have enjoyed covering it as far as I could see. No, there doesn't seem to be an awful lot. I know there's a Marianne the Faithful version out there. I must admit, I haven't done due diligence this week and listened to it, so I actually don't really know whether it's any any good or not. I have listened to it, and um, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, um, and it's perfectly okay, but actually she's... I don't have a huge amount of experience to listen to Marianne Faithful records, but if that is an example, her enunciation is not very good um, because I wasn't quite sure um, what she was going on about for the for the first part. But there you go. That's OK. The one cover that did take my eye and this links back to the, um, um, the start of the episode um, is Mr. James Corden. And ah, yes. it's from um, um, a kids TV show called Beat Bugs, which is got to be worth investigating at some point because somehow uh, this children's TV producer got the Beatles to agree to let him use a song in each episode of this kind of Bugs Life type program. In fact, the, um, the, the episodes are loosely based around the theme of that song um, and some of the so therefore obviously some of them are absolutely hilarious you know you, yeah, maybe there isn't a why don't we do it in the road episode I'm pretty sure there isn't a sexy Sadie episode um, but there's, 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 there's a lot there are a lot of episodes it's, it's quite funny looking through and seeing how they make use of them um, in the plot but James Corden like him or well, most people don't at the moment, but he knows how to belt out a tune and, and it's very polished and very well produced. Um, as I've written down here, James Corden, Beat Bugs, it's really good. Sorry, everyone. Okay, that covers that. I, I haven't heard it, so I, I cannot comment as to the quality or otherwise of Mr. Corden's pipes. I, I do highly recommend that you you look into beat bugs though i i fully intend to I, actually i must admit you've recommended it to me before and i forgot about it and now you've reminded me <laughs> uh, i have added it added it back into my mental checklist of things i need to do so it's on my homework list i, I promise i will watch it it does i did look it up on netflix it does look kind of weird and interesting and so i'm and really fun. curious to yeah. see it yeah and, it, and it's um you know there's there's a little moral and and it's great parents can watch it with their kids and and so on and so forth but i just think it's fascinating that the the beatles were happy for so many of their songs to be licensed in this way and they're notoriously um you know tight fisted about um, their material so yeah. um you know good on them 
a good thing to watch for uh, a parent and child. What better recommendation could you possibly have? I have and, nothing and, else to say about this song. Can I just say you, that your voice there, and the way you were saying that, that was your "I'm about to end the episode" voice. You're correct. <laughs> Unless there's something else you want to discuss, we've we've not done a great job of talking about the actual song, but I think most of the runtime will be um, yeah, diversions yeah. rather than the songs itself. But if there's something else you've got to cover, please song, don't, don't let me stand in your way. The song's fine. It's it's right. you know six out of ten, perfectly fine. Six out of ten. All right, there we go. Um, I think I'm going to give it slightly more. I think I'll give it seven out of ten. I I do quite like it. Um, I do enjoy it, and that baseline is an absolute killer. So I think yeah, I'm going to go for. For 7 out of 10 on this one. Excellent. Fabulous. Good. Let's wrap it up there then. Uh, you can really get a hold of us. Uh, you can really get a hold of us by email. We are BeatlesStuffology at gmail.com. We are on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called this week at Beatles underscore ology. Uh, we're Beatles Stuffology on Instagram and you can find my blog at www.jgmccory.scott and you can read Andrew's writing at www.stuffology.co.uk. Uh, please also check out my other podcast, Talking Trek to You, where a noob and an expert go through the original Star Trek series episode by episode. Please like, rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you're using so that other people can find the show. Uh, next episode, we carry our merry way through the album and we talk about uh, Babies in Black. But until then, be seeing you. <laughs>